podcaster, I hardly know her. (laughs) Welcome to the I Hardly Know Her podcast, hosted by me, Megan McCaleb. If there's one thing I've learned in this life, it's that I still have a lot to learn. This podcast is your invitation to expand your understanding on all sorts of topics and shake things up a little bit. Listen in and learn something new from the stories, professional insights, and a wide range of expertise shared by me and my incredible guests. And remember, my friends, you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. I'm excited, as always. You know I'm excited to join uh, forces with awesome people in the world who are making an impact and bringing fun energy and inspiring stories. And today is right in line with those objectives. Uh, With me, as always, is my producer, Jeanette, and my partner in crime with Improv Team Culture. And today's guest is actually someone that Jeanette recommended. And already in the pre-show as we were prepping, I can tell that you are all in for a treat um, as we jump in with Quinn Wilson. So Jeanette, I'm going to throw it over to you to give an intro, an appropriate intro, because I loved all the things that you were telling me about him and why you thought he would be such an excellent voice for our listeners to hear on the podcast. I'd love to. Um, Yeah, listeners. So uh, Quinn and I have known each other probably for about eight or nine years now at this point. Um, And we started doing comedy in Chicago, um, not around the same time, but we got on a group together at Comedy Sports. And Quinn is just just like an all around great person. And when I moved to LA, he had already uh, been out there uh, hustling and moving and he was a really safe space and a great person for me to start building my community out there. Um, We, you know, got excited about the same types of stuff. And we actually had a podcast uh, during the pandemic for the first year, um, the bygone despot podcast. But um, when Quinn is not making me just Uh, grin from ear to ear. He's doing a lot of really good work in the community and he uses his um, talent in art and comedy and just like humanity for a lot of good. So I'm really excited uh, for Quinn to talk about what he is bringing to the world since the last time I've seen him, which is probably three or four years ago. Awesome. Ooh, and he's muted. Welcome to the, the show, Quinn. An unmuted hello. <laughs> How are we doing, everybody? Air this horn, is so air great. horn. There, yeah. I, oh my gosh, that's my kid's favorite thing. They're always like, ooh, about pretty much everything. Yeah, when we, we, we like the, it, you know, the air <laughs> horn has been Andy. with us for 20, 30 years, and it has not lost steam. It's been here no. forever. <clears throat> and I don't think it's going anywhere. I hope not. Let's never let it go anywhere but at the forefront of our our lives. <laughs> So Quinn, air horn I, forefront. Wait, what's that? You love the forefront? <laughs> hashtag forefront air horn. Oh, I love it. Yep. That's going to be the new trending uh, hashtag. Um, so I'm just kind of getting to know you, but I checked out your website and I think it's amazing um, when people use their talents to bring awareness to things that are really important. And so for those of you out there listening, I'll make sure it's in the show notes as well. But um, you run a company called What Matters Productions and you help bring light to really important issues that are essentially 
happening all around us, but things that a lot of times people are more comfortable turning away from because we don't really know how to help when there's problems, I think, in the world. It, it makes people uncomfortable, um, which is unfortunate. So I'm really curious, like, what was sort of the launching point of you realizing where there were needs in our communities and how you could use your talent to shine a light where we need some light shown? Yeah. So, you know, mid twenties in Chicago, doing the comedy thing, writing, directing, kind of growing as a, um, as a director. Um, I had kind of four guys that I would kind of like mentor and look after. Homelessness has always kind of been like my core issue. We're the richest country in the history of the world. We have 600,000 people sleeping on the street tonight in America. Uh, we could easily end all of that in a, <clears throat> in the snap of our fingers, but, uh, we, we choose to allocate, our funds and our money the way we do. And it's very sad to me. So, um, you know, homelessness has always been a core issue for me. I kind of came to know these four young men, uh, experiencing homelessness in and out of <clears throat> through, excuse me, through, uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine who, uh, was a pastor of a church and the church was very like, Jesus was a hippie liberal that was like out there fighting to like give everybody equality, uh, which was great. And so Calvin, Corey, DB and Jaleel were kind of like my four guys, like anywhere between like 18 and 24. Most of them had no real family support. Most of them had no, um, I would say most of them did not have a high school diploma. Um, they're kind of just getting by day to day in the youth shelter system in Chicago. <clears throat> and Calvin was one of these guys. Calvin is like the sweetest guy I've ever met in my life. He's warm and caring and tender and sweet and kind and conscious and all these things while also getting kicked out of his parents' house at 16 for coming out to them as gay. Um, mm -hmm. And so he was out on the streets and <clears throat> I'm going to drink some water, cut it out later. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, Calvin was one of my guys and he was about to age out of the youth shelter system, which means, you know, he was going to have to go into cage shelters and it just, it gets a lot harder once you're out of the youth shelter system to actually make it out of homelessness, uh, particularly in Chicago. So, uh, we made this little three minute doc about Calvin and we did an interview and we interviewed some loved ones of his and some people that knew him well that had, um, you know, uh, status and ability. We shot a bunch of great little setups and B-roll and we just kind of helped him tell his story, uh, which is a perspective we always take that it's like, we're not the storytellers. Our subjects are the storytellers. We're here, <clears throat> excuse me, to help them tell their story. So we helped him tell a story and we launched like a little GoFundMe and we made a little Facebook teaser trailer for it. And we raised like 10,000 bucks for him in like two, three days. And we were like, oh, okay, maybe there's something here to this model, to this formula. Um, and, and with that, we started what matters productions. We're a 501 C three nonprofit. We make micro, there's my knees, everybody enjoy those. We make <laughs> micro docs for, uh, we make micro docs for nonprofits so they can share their story and fundraise. So we've helped nonprofits by raising about $2 million to date. And that's what we do. That's amazing. First of all, I hope everyone is watching instead of listening to this episode. So they got to see a quick peek of your knees, um, left and right. Two for no, two. so perfect. Um, is there a strategy too that you help guide people to get these uh, these documentaries in front of the right eyes so that you can make that impact? Like, what type of uh, what needs to happen to make sure that people are the right people are seeing so that their heartstrings are tugged and then we're getting the money flowing? Um, talk to me about that. Yeah, 
<clears throat> so I am like my day job is I'm a director for mostly commercials, doc and comedy are my two genres. I just did a job Monday with Aaron Rodgers in New York. Brag, brag, brag. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I'm a storyteller. I'm a filmmaker. I know how to use the tools and language of cinema to elicit reaction from an audience. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, mostly what we do is that we, we find the stories in collaboration with the nonprofits. We build the narrative. We shoot. We edit. We, 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 we deliver the content. Usually the nonprofits are more involved in the distribution, the rollout, the fundraising. Excuse me. Um, I'm having, what a day I'm having here with my, my uh, <laughs> esophagus. Um, we are, uh, so you, typically the nonprofits go, we have a big gala. We have a fundraising event. We have some big event. We invite a bunch of wealthy people. They come and give money. And usually we, they play our film like right before like the ask. Cause most people are like, we help homelessness and people are like, cool, great. But what does that really mean? Well, yeah. here's one person's story and what they've had to overcome and how this nonprofit helped them overcome homelessness. And this is what you're donating to. You're not donating to like an amorphous URL, but like this, these are the people that you're helping and we actually just had another project Raylan story we did last year and that just got into like its 10th film festival Leonard mm. story we did last year got nominated for an Emmy um, and you know we're 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 trying to make we're trying to bring really high-end production to an area of focus that usually does not get that so that's what yeah. we do Ooh, that's fantastic. I have worked a lot over the years in nonprofits as far as like I've emceed a lot of galas. I have served on the board for a nonprofit and it is always interesting to sort of see the behind the scenes part, having the heart story that tugs on the on the heartstrings. Also living in the small community that I live in, I saw a lot of the same wealthy faces showing up at all the galas. And then there was like the battle of the paddles of who... Which is a good thing. I'm like, hey, let's get as yeah, much. Yeah, honestly, lean into it. You know. Yeah, let's get those uh the 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 beverages flowing and get those paddles raising and um and it is super important to see like to really understand where the money is going and I think that's one of the one of the things that's been a challenge actually for the agency. I I serve on the board for an adoption agency and have for six or seven years and we're really just finally starting to go. Well, let's formalize a bit a little more strategy here um, because there's, there's such an enormous need and like 400,000 kids and uh, teens at any given time are in the foster system, which probably have some parallels and overlap, I would assume with some of the homeless population as well, because they, they are floaters and, and a lot of times age out of the system in a non, you know, not a good structure laying before them, but there's so many different moving parts that like really figuring out what is, what is an element that you can, I mean, how do you determine that? Like I'm in it and I'm sometimes still, I only have to do certain parts of it, but to really go this amount of money goes to this and this amount of money can go to this. Like, how do you help guide an organization or a cause to really put a tangible deliverable that makes sense yeah. <clears throat> I mean, we, we have kind of like three different models of trying to put money together to do something because again, everyone on the, these jobs we do will come out well, 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 well below their day rate because they care about the cause and they want to do it. But there are certain hard costs. Like you gotta be in a location, you gotta feed people, you gotta have the equipment, like, you know, it depends on the, on the gig. But so sometimes we will, excuse me, we'll go to the nonprofit and say like, find one wealthy donor that normally cuts a big check every year. <clears throat> killing me. 
and uh, <laughs> and have them donate it to this, this then microdoc will amplify their donation and more people will be encouraged to donate. Wow. Sometimes we say, let's do a brand partnership. Let's find, um, you know, a brand that kind of fits the message and the mission and the, and the world that you're in and then see if we can make, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. And then sometimes we say, um, you know, just come up with whatever number you can in house and we'll stretch that as far as we can. So always yeah. depends. We always want to try to give the most bang for the buck, but there are some hard costs to cover. And so that's sure. always tricky, but it also depends. We did a project where we went to <clears throat> Burkina Faso, West Africa, and we worked with a nonprofit, um, that does a lot of work, um, around like water access and feminine hygiene products. And they're doing a lot. Burkina Faso is one of the poorest countries in the world. 50% of citizens don't have access to like roads, electricity and running water. Mm. It is, you know, they're like living out in like the bush is the language they use. Yeah. Um, and so we did that where we were like, fly us, house us and feed us. Like, we just want to go like, I'm holding the camp. Like I'm not, I'm not a cinematographer at all, but I'm like, I came up, you know, in high school, I learned how to do everything in film school. So like I could do it. Uh, but we were like, yeah, we just want to go to this place and do these things. I, I went with my, uh, uh, producing partner, Kelsey Bunner, shout out. Um, she's fantastic. She's a producer and actress in LA and we work together a lot on all these projects. Now, you you mentioned on our intake form that you could just rant a little bit. And I want to give you that freedom a bit yeah. about besides at the fancy galas and the things where people are showing up intentionally to do some good. What are some things like in this space with the podcast? I know a lot mm -hmm. of my listeners are people who want to do more, want to do better. They're, they're really a lot of people who are hungry to understand more, but we feel helpless and not really sure what some next steps are. I would love to invite you to rant a little bit about what are some of those things that you really know to be true in the, in the space of homelessness and what are, I don't know. I don't even want to guide it necessarily other than like, what are those things Invitation. that you're fired about? How do we get involved? Invitation accepted. Here I go. Perfect. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the number one thing I would say to anybody listening is like, listen, like listen to where you feel called and listen to where you feel like the need is. If some people are so touched by certain things, some people are like animals, the dogs. And I'm like, I love that. The dogs are fantastic. That is not personally where I feel pulled. And so I'm not going to put my time and space there. We need to help all the dogs and cats. That's a very worthy cause. And if that's where your heart is telling you to go, then go there. I'm much more pulled to homelessness. I'm much more pulled to uh, uh, equanimity, equality issues like across the board. So go where you feel called <clears throat> and then do fucking something. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but I did because yeah, there is you have if you are born into the United, this is a, I'll say it this way. I went to Burkina Faso. If you're born, if you happen to be born into a body in Burkina Faso, the average age of life is like 42, 45, you get 45. Mm. In the United States of America, it's like 75, 78. So literally by the chance of you got born into a body, into an American body, you literally get to live twice as long of a life as somebody born into Burkina Faso. Absolutely insane. Doesn't make any sense. So what are you going to do with that time? Pick the thing that you're called to do and go do something about it. Um, the number one way to do it, I think, is build relationships, um, particularly in the homelessness space. More often than not, people go, oh, that poor person on the side of the street. What do I do? Well, you go up and you say hi. That's like the first thing you do. You go, hey, I'm Quinn. What's going on? Uh, I'm just out here trying to get a little hotel room for the night, man. Yeah, I feel you, dude. I don't think I can help you with the hotel room, but like, do you need help accessing services? What's going on? What do you need? 
oh, you know, yeah, I was at this one shelter, but I kind of got in a fight with this guy and they kicked me out because he was stealing my shit. And so I, you know, I, but I had to defend myself. No, totally. I feel that, dude. Why don't I see if I can call a shelter for you? And if I can like get you in an Uber, I'll send you over there in a shelter. Um, you know, in Chicago specifically, there's 311. In LA specifically, there's all these different resources. But like, mm. this is a global issue, but it's also a very local issue. Yeah. So, um, you know, whatever uh, community you're in, like learn the the rhythm and rhyme of that community. And like, where do you send people? I almost never give money to somebody on the street. And it's not because, oh, they're going to use drugs and oh, they're going to do whatever. It's because I like schedule out my giving very intentionally to different organizations at the beginning of the year and set it on up on an auto pay. And then if somebody needs help accessing services, I try to introduce them to the services they need. And that's going to vary city to city. But on the whole, people want community. People want, I'm on the board of another nonprofit called Share a Meal in Los Angeles. We roll burritos from a food truck five days a week. And then we walk around LA, different neighborhoods and just hand them out. And the thing more often than not is like people just want somebody to chat with. They just want somebody to like look at them in the eye and like tell them they're doing okay and like give them a smile and crack a joke and chill for a minute and, and head out. Yeah. Well, and if people, so you're talking about like whatever they feel called to uh, look into, I mean, it's a Google search away probably for the most part of like what, what nonprofits or what organizations or resources exist in my direct community on this subject matter. Right. I mean, I'm assuming that's the case. I'm like, I actually haven't necessarily gone in and Googled on a certain thing, but I bet that's the case. And being able to like figure out what are some of those immediate resources to when you're having the conversations to know where to send them. Um, I mean, that might sound really ultra basic, but is it just that easy for finding resources of oh, being a connector? Yeah, it's really not super hard. I mean, <clears throat> a lot of times folks, folks facing homelessness um, are struggling to have access to Wi-Fi or having a phone that has any service or connection. So literally sometimes it's like internet access is such a, a thing that we can kind of mediate with. Um, but yeah, more often than not in every community, if you say, I want to volunteer at X, there's a great website, idealist.org. Idealist.org is a great website to like link people to. And that's like a global thing and there's stuff all over, but in your local community, no matter where you live in America, there's at least a shelter. There's at least a food yeah. pantry or a food bank. There's at least a couple of these things and shoot them an email and say, Hey, I'm interested in coming in and volunteering. If you have any openings, you know, uh, uh my schedule is X. Is there any way you could put me on a shift the next week and then just go in and check it out. And if you didn't vibe with it or it didn't feel right, or you weren't like thrilled by it, then, then don't go back. But like, <clears throat> I, I pitched a show for a while called volunteer with me, where I would just go to these different nonprofits around the world and volunteer because mm -hmm. honestly it's medicine. Like you, it feels so good and you uh, let go of all, like you show up somewhere and you're like, I'm late to this thing. And I didn't send that email and my boss is blah, blah, blah. blah. And like all that falls away when someone's like, hi, I don't have, food. Can I have food? And you're like, yeah. Dude, totally. let me get you some bread here. What's going on? Like, that's what we're made to do. And we spend all our time, like putting these walls in front of us that kind of divide us from each other. And it's not hard to build that community if we put a little bit of effort into it. Totally. What does like long-term success look like? Like if people are starting to make steps and maybe some resources are being activated, um, I think this is coming to mind because I recently watched a documentary. I can't remember what it's called, but I just watched a homeless, like a documentary on homelessness not too long ago on Hulu or Netflix or one of the streaming, doesn't matter. And I remember a couple of them talking about the specific problem of how the cycle just continues to repeat. And it's really a hard pattern to break. So how do we 
how do we position it or, or set it up for the best chances of success? How do we have touch points to maintain totally. it? So, so context is this, right? Like most people, and I would say the majority of Americans grew up in some sort of a household where their basic needs were met. They got enough of an education. They were kind of put out the door onto their own with at least enough knowledge, financial support and resources to be able to like baby bird fly out of the nest and like get their own apartment and get a job and like figure it out. Most of us have that opportunity, but there are at the same time, so many of us that are, are raising the foster care system and like, don't really have fun. Calvin, my, my buddy, like kicked out of the house at 16, didn't have a high right. school degree, didn't really have applicable job training and skills, particularly living in an economy where you can work a minimum wage job all day, every day, and you can't afford a place to live. Like, you know, that, that, that's like a structural thing that we need to talk about when we talk about homelessness. There's not a single market in the United States of America with over a hundred thousand people where you can afford a two bedroom apartment on two minimum wage salaries. So like mm -hmm. we, the whole system is fucking upside down, backwards, broken, shattered into a thousand pieces. So yeah. that's number one. Number two, um, you know, what most people deep in the work would say is like, you know what ends homelessness? Housing. Like housing ends homelessness. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, do we want to have a government subsidy housing 24-7 for someone's entire life? Probably not. That's probably not the best way to match that into the system that exists already. But <clears throat> you can't go like, well, just go get a job, hippie. It's like, okay, so I got a job, but like, how, what do I do now? Like I'm working a job and I'm sleeping on a bench, right? I'm working a job and I'm sleeping in a shelter. Like people need a couple of years of a stable mm -hmm. living environment to allow themselves to get back into a rhythm uh, uh, in a working way, to allow themselves to build the stability to be self-sufficient. The other piece of the puzzle is in 1980, a president by the name of Ronald Reagan uh, essentially cut all the funding for mental health um, in mm. America and like kicked everybody out of institutions and onto the streets. So mm. we, you know, a lot of folks living on the streets do have some sort of mental health issue that is being untreated, unaddressed. And that then feeds into the medical system. And the medical system, as we know in America, is the best in the world, except it's not by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> uh, because in fact, the number one reason an American goes homeless is any guest can't pay a medical bill. I have a friend, Lloyd, who lived in a tent in a park in Echo Park in Los Angeles. He had a bachelor's degree and he had a corporate job for like a, a decade. Family wasn't around, didn't have parents to fall back on, didn't have cousins or aunts and uncles to fall back on. Got a very serious illness, put him in the hospital for like nine months straight. After six months, he lost his job. And how do we give people health care in America? Well, you have to have a full time job to get health care because you only yeah. deserve to be healthy if you can have a full time job and climb the corporate ladder. So he's now in the hospital, can't go back to work, lost his health insurance. The bills have piled up and they eventually kicked him out and he's living in a tent in a park. Uh, he eventually got out of that and because he built good relationships and he was the one going to the assembly meetings and city council meetings, he got a, a two year bridge housing program and in that time was able to get himself some stability and is taking care of himself and is fine now. But most people, uh, you know, are, are dealing with a lot of a lot of issues. The, the last very last thing I'll say, and then I'll turn it back over is <clears throat> the average face of homelessness in America is not the guy on the corner with the cup. It's actually a single parent and a child. Like the, the majority of people facing homelessness in America are single parent and child and they're under sheltered or they're, um, you know, there's another term for it. I'm forgetting, but mom and daughter, they're living out of a car. Mom and daughter go stay with the daughter goes to stay with the aunt for a little bit. The mom goes and tries to get a housekeeping thing and then she picks up the daughter and then they go like the majority yeah. of it is not the stuff you're seeing. The majority of it, the data sees, you know? Yeah. Well, folks, you heard it here first. It's a 
hopeless, hopeless mess. No, I'm just kidding. It's, no, well, it's and it, I'm totally kidding. Yeah. I'm. It, the, I think what's important though, and actually where I want to take it next, is that there's so many moving parts that it actually means there's got to be something that any one of us can choose to focus on to be helping with the different cogs because it does it does not only have a domino effect but it also there's so many connected things and I'm actually now really curious like maybe you already know this or maybe I need to go do some research myself of like how many of these different organizations or different components are are talking to each other in order to meet needs and find solutions because they all really need to be more collaborative in order to make sure that we're creating a a space for people to have the time and resources required to regain stability and to have a foundation enough to carry it on hopefully for their their lifetime and break the cycle for the next generation um so i i joke a little bit but also it is it is actually even more opportunity for us to get involved i think Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the thing that's tricky is like, you've got federal system, you've got HUD, you've got like, you know, national organizations, then you've got state agencies at every level, then you've got local agencies at every level, then you've got, you know, the Red Crosses and the the United Ways and the huge, huge like umbrella nonprofits that are kind of all over. And then you've got very small localized nonprofits and in, in, in everywhere. But then you've got, you know, church congregations and religious communities that are, are working <clears throat> to ameliorate the issue. And it's, and there are so many different moving parts and a lot of them are not talking to each other at all. One specific organization I'd love to shout out is all Chicago. I've done a lot of work with them over the years. They're an amazing organization because they're like, we're not the most like flashy, but they like, we're in charge of the data. We're in charge of like, we get big state grants and then we disseminate them based on which small DSPs, direct service providers are doing the best in terms of the data. So it's like, Mm. we do need to bring tech into all of this. We do need to bring like engineers and all of this but if you're an engineer or you're a techie you go i can make 180 a year at google or i can make 50 a year for this nonprofit. most people go work for google and there's no shame in that but then take whatever percent of that difference and donate it like Mm. you know we are we are all incredibly wealthy by a global standard um and and there's you know a lot more we can be doing with our dollars and and more importantly with our time Yeah. One of the things that just came to mind a moment ago was I think I do a lot of like public speaking coaching and a lot of people over the years have told me how much like a certain experience or something that some something happened where they want to start a nonprofit. Like so many people just want to start these nonprofits for the certain cause. And I also used to do contract work for a women's business center that was a statewide organization. And I was like, we're, we're reinventing the wheel constantly instead of just being like, okay, if you're passionate about this topic, do a little bit of research to see who's already doing that thing. And then it'd be way easier to just swoop in and be a helpful body, more hours and time and and brain power and ideas and things to complement work that's already been laid out there. It just kind of amazes me sometimes that there's a little bit of a disconnect there and not, not to dig on that at all, but it is a really big undertaking to start a nonprofit and to run a nonprofit and to fund a nonprofit. And, um, and then I think people get really tunnel visioned on like, now I have this brand new thing to launch instead of where can we look and see what things are already there and find the ones that are really being effective and enhancing uh, instead of starting from scratch so many times. 
I think I totally agree with that as a guy who started his own nonprofit. I totally <laughs> with, with the collaboration <laughs> with many other people. But I do totally agree with that because um the difference, the only thing I would say is we do need work at all levels. You do need the Red yeah. Cross to be able to go. There was an earthquake in Haiti, and instantly I'm mobilizing tons of money and tons of resources and I can quickly move because we have stuff set up everywhere. And then you need the medium organizations that are like, we have a little more money, can like do a little bit more, but we still are actually in tune in like what's going on on the ground. And then you need the micro organizations and share a meal in LA is one of those organizations. The thing that that organization does better than most any other is relationships. Like we can name the people on our routes and where they are usually at and what's going on in their life. And like that's, and then that data and that information is important to go, Hey, actually we've been hearing a lot more that X is really a bigger issue and that why which we thought was an issue why is not so much of an issue anymore blah, 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 blah. so you need people at all levels but i do totally agree that from the zero to one level like it is a lot of work and it's a lot of time and it's a lot of energy and and you know just just be intentional like just be intentional with your time and your energy mm, yeah for sure um i love your energy i want to know like when you're getting fired up about stuff like is it with excitement because of the information you have or the potential of what, what really is possible? I don't know if you can pinpoint that or if I am just sounding crazy. Um, but I, I would love for more people to feel about something the way you very clearly feel about your work and your cause that you are, are serving. What, how can we inspire people to like harness that power like I think the, everybody has that in them all the time there. I think most people don't listen. And I, and mm. I don't mean that in any sort of negative sense, but like we're in the society where 24 seven constantly it's, here's the scroll, here's the feed. Mom wants that cousin wants that kid needs this, blah, blah, blah. it's just a nonstop thing in front of us all the time. I come from like a, a if any persuasion, like a Buddhist persuasion, not the mala. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, meditation to me is really important to be able, and it doesn't have to be meditation. It doesn't have to be Buddhist, but just quiet intention setting time, like listening, like putting everything else away and quieting your mind and yourself and, and, and hearing what is going on within yourself and what you need and what you're working on. <clears throat> and then listening when you're out in the world, when you cross the street and you see somebody with a change cup, does your heart break or do you not really think about it too much. If you're in a park and there's a dog with a broken foot and he's gimping around, do you not worry about it so much or does your heart break? Like what breaks your heart and then try to heal yourself by doing the work. Mm, I love that. One of the comments that you also said that I think as we kind of bring things here on this home stretch of you mentioned, um, now where did it go? I scrolled. Oh, you had something just as a, a thing to highlight and it was to chase your dreams. And so I think it's great that your nonprofit is actually encompassing causes you care about and a skill set that you are delighted to use. Uh, so in, in adding on to that with motivating the listeners out there of like, how can we be healing our hearts? Like how can people tie together their dreams, their wildest dreams and the things they're super passionate about and do good in the world. 
I mean, the bottom line is most people just got to start doing shit. Like, I feel like so many of us are like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Blah, 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 and then nobody does anything. And that's fine. It's life's hard and things get busy. And the, I want to see the new episode of The Office, too. But like, you know, uh, uh, pick something and go do it. Like one hour a week of your time spent in service of any sort is is in, it's almost insane to me that that's not like part of our, our culture. I've traveled to 28 countries around the world and in so many other cultures or faith practices or whatever, like service is like baked into the rhythm. Like you have to do this, of course. And it's not so much the case in America because America mm -hmm. is all about like fame and money and go do it. And I'm the biggest and the best. And those things have their place in time. But, you know, I think just getting people excited about doing anything, I think is great. I had a whole thing and I lost it. What, what was the setup? Give me the setup again. Uh, how, do, how do people chase their dream yeah, cool. and like get all that fire and do good simultaneously? Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, most people are really good at some things and most people really care about some things. So like, feel mm -hmm. free to draw the line there. I'm a filmmaker who really cares about homelessness and we would do all sorts of different causes, but homelessness is our primary one. So I'm going to make docs about homelessness. Um, if you're a, uh, if a software developer and you really uh, think it's atrocious that you know, uh, 4,500 children are dying today because they don't have access to clean drinking water and 4,500 children died yesterday because they don't have access to clean drinking water and 4,500 mm. will die again tomorrow because they don't have access to clean drinking water. And on the whole, we don't really care. Like people don't really care because if we did, it would be 4,200 and it's not, it's still 4,500. Nobody mm. really gives a shit. And, and that's sad to me, but at the same time, we're in our own little bubbles and we're doing our own little things. And that's why I think looking locally is really important. Like we're not all going to fly to whatever part of the world and do whatever thing because that's unrealistic. But I can bet you damn sure the food pantry up the street would love a pair of hands. I can bet you damn sure the, um, you know, the, the, the animal shelter around the corner could take somebody to go walk some dogs. Like there's enough ways to get involved in a, in a, in a little specific way. That's great. It's great. If you can tie your, I'm a software developer and 4,500 children are dying for water. I'm going to call this small nonprofit and go, Hey, I can help you with your website. I can help you with your SEO. I can help you with whatever, but it's also just as valuable to go. I'm going to go down to the pantry and I'm going to stop stock shelves with boxes. That's totally valuable too. It all is the work, like go do the work, yeah. whatever that means to you. Oh, yeah. I remember growing up thinking, you know, you'd see the ads on TV and I thought that only bad things were happening outside of our country and growing up and realizing that it does impact our immediate communities, sometimes in our exact same mile radius, and that the opportunity to help and serve is readily available and very much desired by well, people. I, I was just in party. Manhattan for... I was just in Manhattan for a jab with Aaron Rodgers and uh, <laughs> total, total bullshitty. Uh, but I'm in the train, like on the way out to the airport or wherever. And uh, I mean, just hearing on the MTA or whatever it is, one in four New Yorkers, one in four children in New York are facing food insecurity. One in six Americans are facing food insecurity. So like mm. we think we, ha which again, to me, if you zoom all the way out, that's politics and that's policy. Like collectively we have enough resources so that four out of four kids in New York are not facing food insecurity, but yeah. we're choosing not to allocate them in that way. And I think it's honestly, quite frankly, disrespectful to our fellow Americans that we go, I'm okay with you being unhoused. I'm okay with you being unfed. I'm okay with you being thirsty. It's, it's really disrespectful to me. I'm a freelancer and I make enough money to take care of myself and I do fine. Um, 
but also like in the healthcare system, I'm kind of falling in the cracks. Like I don't re I don't really, I have like catastrophe healthcare, but I don't have right. like go to the doctor and do my whatever healthcare mm -hmm. um, because it's just ridiculous what I'm supposed to pay a private company to do to then still bill me every time I do something. I, yep. um, my primary residence is in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and I have a little condo down there. And when I'm not directing, that's where I'm kind of like having my me time. Uh, and I got a little infection when I was down there and I went to the doctor or I, I telehealth to doctor in the States because I was still in my US healthcare at the time. And I said, what do I do? And they go, oh, you need a 10 day antibiotic of this antibiotic, telegrams in the morning, 10 milligrams at night. I went into a pharmacy on the corner in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. And I said, I need a 10 day prescription of this. And I said, sure, here you go. 30 pesos. Didn't require mm -hmm. prescription, didn't require anything. And it cost me 75 cents for a 10 day antibiotic that in the US would cost so much more than that. But because the oh, pharmaceutical wow. companies are making billions of dollars and the healthcare companies are making billions of dollars. There's a lot of money in it. So let's just kind of keep it all going. And, you know, structurally, systemically, we are, we are sick and, and broken. Um, and we could solve all these issues if we wanted. Uh, and we choose not to, I, I come from a progressive political persuasion of like, again, we have the resources. Let's like pull them all together and help each other. And I, and not everybody agrees with that. And that's okay. I think there's many, I think we can all do the work from whatever political or ethical persuasion we come from. Um, but it, it's just embarrassing to me. I'm just, I, and more often than not, I'm ashamed to be American because of what we have and what we choose to do with it. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, ser seriously, all we're asking folks is that we just give a shit. And that, that's An honestly, hour. An I, hour a week. yeah, the honesty is so important because we can't keep turning a blind eye to it and pretending that these things are not problems that could be fixed because they are. Uh, and it's wild. And this is a whole, you know, we could have probably an entire other, oh, no, another episode on full episodes of several of the things that you briefly touched on. Um, and, and these are conversations that need to continue and people need to ask questions. We need to push back a little bit for the systems that we're uh, built into. Even my teenager has, has always been like fighting against being, being in the matrix. He's like, I don't want to end up coming out of public school, plugging into the matrix like everybody else does. This is not the life I want. And I'm going to do my best as a yeah. mom, guide my offspring to be autonomous and do things that are different. And I hope our younger generation is going to be uh, equipped. I think they are to make some real changes that some of uh, us older people and the ones even older are not willing to. <laughs> uh, anyway, but no, I mean, this is, it's been super great to have you on here and I highly encourage people to check out your website. You have two different websites that are both really interesting to look at. Obviously uh, the one that is your namesake, the quinnwilsonfilm.com and then whatmattersproductions.com. Um, the minute I clicked onto it, I was just drawn in and I want to learn more and I love to keep myself aware of what's out there, what's happening so that I can find those opportunities. And I hope that, you know, this is an invitation to listeners to, you don't have to do a ton. It's not tons of money. It's not tons of time. It's just heightening your awareness and activating in your own small way that will fill your cup and make you want to keep giving in whatever way you can. And I feel like that is maybe the moral of the story today is start, just do a little something and we can make a big yeah. difference. 
And that's the last thing I wanted to say, if I can jump in, is that you know, yeah, it is an overwhelming problem and it is an overwhelming amount of things we need to cure in the world. And sometimes that can give you the analysis of paralysis of like, oh my God, but what do I do? This is too much. I can't do it. You just got to do this little bit much. You got to go pick one thing and put one hour of time to it and pick one issue and get involved a little bit. Everybody does not have to do everything, but I think it would be a better world if everybody did a little something. So just pick a little something and get going. I love it. Thank you so much, Quinn. I love I love everything that you've shared. Appreciate your work and uh, being a storyteller and helping other people uh, amplify and show their stories so that we can change hearts and make better choices. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Share this with your friends. We need as many ears as possible to hear this message and hearts to be changed so that we can be serving one another uh, and bringing some more goodness to uh, the humanity around us. And thanks for listening to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. Uh, stay tuned for all the exciting guests that continue to come up on the roster to expand your understanding about things that you might not know a lot about, but that you can have a lot more courage in making new choices with new information. And if you have a story that you want to share and you're not sure where to get started, uh, Jeanette and I are at the helm of all things with better communication through improv team culture, as well as the Ovation speaker training programs. We look forward to staying connected with you guys and be well. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. For information about leadership workshops, public speaker training, and all things kooky Megan, check out improvteamculture.com. We'll catch you next time.